We're going to conclude this 10-week series. We've been uh, looking at nuggets of information, nuggets of wisdom from the book of Proverbs. Just 10 of them. There's probably hundreds. So get into that book, even after this series, please. But the topic we're talking about today, if, if we master this one, I believe it'll take care of everything else. It's probably the most important topic of the whole series. I'm sure that we will be successful in every area of life if we just master this one. It'll help our relationships, our business, our spiritual growth, our emotional vitality. Today we're talking about the importance of being willing to try again. Try again. If I were to ask you to name three of the greatest presidents the country ever had, undoubtedly Abraham Lincoln would make your list. So let me just continue with him from the video we just saw. He was instrumental in abolishing slavery. He led our country back to unity during a time where we were so divided. We were at war with each other. If you've heard any motivational speeches, you've probably heard examples of Abraham Lincoln, but they're always worth hearing again. He had an extremely difficult childhood, living in poverty and receiving only one year of formal education. In, 19, in 1831, he launched his first business. It failed. In 1832, he ran for state legislator. He was defeated. 1833, he started another business. It failed. 1834, he was elected to state legislature. Whoa, he made something there. Okay. In 1835, his fiance suddenly became sick and died. So what? He made the legislature. What did it matter after that, right? In 1838, he was defeated in a bid for Speaker of the House. In 1840, he was defeated in a race for elector. In 1842, he married Mary Todd, and that marriage, to put it mildly, was a source of pain and torment for the rest of his life. Three of his four sons died before reaching age 18. In 1843, he ran for Congress and was defeated. In 1846, he ran for Congress and finally won. Between 1848 and 1858, 10 years, he was defeated four consecutive times running for public office. Now let me ask you this. If this were your life story, when 1860 rolled around, would you have had the guts to run for the President of the United States? Lincoln's willingness to do so changed the world forever. Here's a principle from the book of Proverbs. Here's our nugget for today's message. And I hope every one of us will cling to this for the rest of our lives. Solomon said, though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. But the wicked are brought down by calamity. Solomon is saying the righteous man, the, the person that's right before God, that's following God morally in every way, and if he falls seven times, the perfect number, that's num that number is symbolic. That means he falls a lot. <laughs> he rises again. But the wicked person, the person that does not follow God, 
The person that stiff arms God and just doesn't want to hear what he has to say. He's brought down by calamity. Who knows when, but he is. Solomon's saying the difference between the wise individual and the fool is not determined by whether or not they fail. We all fail. The difference between a wise person and a fool is whether or not they get back up. Here's the principle that we should remember. Failures, people, failures who give up are a dime a dozen, but failures who get up are one in a million. Let's be one in a million. Also, to take that opening video a little bit further, a study was made of 300 highly successful people. People like you saw in the, in the video, like Albert Einstein and Winston Churchill, and Helen Keller, Franklin Roosevelt, Albert Schweitzer, people whose lives made an impact on history and whose successes have stood the test of time. This study revealed that of these 300 individuals, 75% of them faced childhood traumas, like growing up in poverty or divorce or illness or abuse. A quarter of the 300 people had some kind of physical disability. Yet they became successful, and they wouldn't let that setback keep them from trying. And they refused to let failure prevent them from trying again, and again, and again. I read that the number one contributing factor in a successful attempt to quit smoking is a previous attempt to quit. It's the number one motivator. The doctor who wrote this was saying that people who quit smoking rarely succeed on the first try. But the people who are able to quit are those who keep trying as many times as it takes. doesn't matter. They just keep trying. The only way you can truly get what you want in life is to commit yourself to trying again and again. Rarely do we get results the first time around. It takes persistence to get what you really want. It takes a willingness to keep trying. Now, if you're experiencing failures, I know the last thing you want to hear is something like, you know, if, it wants, if you don't succeed, if at first you don't succeed, try and try again, the cliche stuff. I know you don't want to hear it, but you've got to do it. You need to do it. I don't want to sound trite with that, but I need you to know that when you experience hard times, that's the only thing to keep doing. Try. Now, I'm going to confess that I've failed more times than I want to admit. I've begun fitness programs that didn't last. I've uh, attempted money-saving disciplines that actually lost money. <laughs> I've launched new ministries that didn't reach a soul. I've made New Year's resolutions that kind of went away on January 2nd. <laughs> I've started comprehensive Bible reading plans that fizzled at the book of Leviticus, the third book out of 66. I've started projects, never completed them. I've made promises to myself, to others, and to God that I didn't keep. And in some of these things... I didn't fail just once. 
I failed over and over and over again. I become so discouraged in my own failures that many times I've asked myself the age-old question, what's the use? Why do I keep trying? Why do I set myself up for more failure? But thankfully, the words of Solomon a lot of times come back to me. Many times I've clung to these words like I cling to a life raft in a raging sea. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. The wicked are brought down by calamity. Those words help me remember the difference between my being foolish or wise. The difference between being righteous or wicked. And they help me determine whether or not I'm going to get back up and try again. There have been times when I've had no earthly reason to believe in myself and my ability to succeed. And yet I know that Sometimes my only hope is not giving up hope. My only hope was in trying again. Now I want to put a little disclaimer in here before I go on. This needs to be in balance. All right? I know there are times when we need to stop doing stuff. You know, there there's seasons when we need to say that this one's coming to an end and we're not going to beat this dead horse anymore. But that's another message. That's a completely different message. This message is about trying again. When God's called you to something, when you just keep tasting it, keep wanting it, it's about trying again. You may be totally discouraged right now. You may be thinking, I tried and failed so many times, what's the use? Well, today I'm going to give you three reasons why you should try again, regardless of how many times you've disappointed yourself in the past. Here are three reasons to get back on that horse and keep riding. To get back in the battle and keep fighting. First, try again because God believes in you. That almost sounds backwards, doesn't it? We're always talking about, well, we got to believe in God. we got to have faith in God. But God believes in you too. Paul wrote the following words to the Christians in Philippi. God began doing a good work in you, and I'm sure He will continue it until it's finished when Jesus Christ comes again. Jesus may come this afternoon. He may come 60 years from now. Nobody knows. But He's faithful. He's going to keep working that thing in you to perfect you. To make you better. You see, when you accepted Jesus Christ as the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, a really miraculous thing happened. The Spirit of God came into your very being and gave your spirit life. You were, to use a phrase Jesus used, born again. When you asked Jesus in, you were born again. At that time, God began doing His work in you. He probably was starting before that time, but he really poured it on when you said yes to Jesus. This is an enormous project for him. Enormous. Each one of us. Because all of us started off a long way from being Christ-like. But God is determined to finish the job he started. He knows what you're capable of becoming. Whether you recognize it or not, He does. 
You know the story of McDonald's? The first McDonald's was a little hamburger joint in Southern California run by these two guys, these two brothers. Their name was McDonald. They were struggling, as most restaurants like them, to kind of keep things going. They never even gave any thought to expansion. And then came along Ray Kroc. He saw the restaurant for what it could be. He realized that it had the potential to go far beyond the, the current experience. He realized there could be hundreds, even thousands of restaurants all over the country delivering fast, affordable, and almost nutritious food (laughs) for busy families. Ray Kroc bought in. That place expanded within a couple of years. It went crazy. It kind of revolutionized the way Americans eat. Now, I'm not going to get into all the health stuff, but... I'm talking about the business of it. I'm talking about what he saw. This is just a down-to-earth example of seeing potential. God sees potential in you. Not to make hamburgers. (laughs) Who knows? If that's your calling, maybe it is. But he sees the potential. You may be struggling to make ends meet. You may be struggling with a sin that you just cannot conquer. You may be struggling with failure and defeat in virtually every area of your life. It may seem impossible for you to become the kind of person you want to become. But God sees your potential. He believes in you. He knows what you can become. That's why Paul said, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. It's not our own righteousness. It's his. God believes in you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross for your sins, for my sins, so that we could all be forgiven and we could be with him for eternity. So that we could ultimately become Christ-like. That's our goal. To become Christ-like. To honor Him by becoming Christ-like. But you've got to remember, becoming successful in the Christian life is like becoming successful in any area of life. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. Maybe a lifetime. It can't happen unless we're committed to trying again and again and again. As many times as it takes. So try again because God believes in you. Number two, try again because God expects you to. He really expects you to. One night about 2,000 years ago, some fishermen spent an entire night attempting to catch fish. They came up empty-handed. Now this was a disappointment for them way further than it would be for us. You know, We can go spend a day on the river, not catch any fish. It's a little disappointing, but this was their livelihood. They needed to catch fish. They needed to put food on the table. And they spent a futile night casting out their nets in the water and nothing to show for it. Jesus saw this, and he told one of his followers named Peter to go back out into the deep and throw down the net again. 
all night, no fish, go back out, throw the net out again. Peter said, Master, we worked hard all night trying to catch fish. We caught nothing. But you say to put the nets in the water, so I will. Peter tried again, and the results were that he and his companions caught so many fish, the nets began to break. There were so many fish in the boat, the boats began to sink. That's a big catch. The failure eventually paid off. But don't miss this. Do not miss this. Why did Peter try again? Why did he decide to cast the net one more time? Was it because suddenly he had renewed faith in his ability as a fisherman? No. Peter tried again, not because he believed in himself, but he believed in Jesus. Casting his net back into the water was an act of faith and obedience. When Jesus said, throw your net back in, he expected the net thrown back in. He wasn't just playing around. Faith and obedience. You know, I get kind of weary of the way people use those two words or combat those two words. You know, faith. Blind faith. Oh, you Christians just believe. It's just blind faith. I'm so sick and tired of hearing that. I don't believe because of blind faith. I have evidence. I don't care if I can't prove it to you. I have evidence. I have my own evidence. I've seen and felt and heard and experienced God through Jesus Christ. I'm sick of that blind faith thing. All right, sometimes maybe you do have some, but it's based on this evidence. And and the obedience thing. What's our problem with obedience? What's our problem with being so rebellious all the time? Well, I'm not going to do that. You know, what's the deal with that? Kids. You know, don't drive so fast. What's our problem with obedience? It's probably humanity, and it's, it's, that's why we blew it in the first place. Thanks, Adam and Eve, for being so disobedient. When you fail and get back up and try again, you're telling God something. You're saying, I have faith in you even when I don't have any faith in myself. And I'll obey you when everything seems hopeless. I'll obey you. I'll try again. God expects us to keep trying. He expects us to keep putting our net in the water, even when it comes up empty, over and over and over again. If we keep trying, eventually we make a catch. But if we quit, God cannot help our success. You have to be willing to try again because it's an act of faith and obedience. Your repeated efforts really get God's attention. You know that? That gets God's attention. Wow. He has no reason to believe other than the invisible me. But he's still going after it. Try again, because God believes in you, and try again because God expects you to. And number three, 
Try again because the world needs you to. The world needs you to. Your world around you. It's as simple as this. If you keep trying, you're eventually going to make it. And then you'll become a symbol of hope for those struggling with their own inadequacies. They'll be able to say, well, if he can make it, maybe I can too. If God can get her through those defeats, maybe God can help me too. This pastor that I respect very much was telling a story about his struggle with health. He had a a bad problem with some health. He said he spent several weeks in the hospital and he was certain that eventually he would lose his job, lose his home, everything. He was overcome with despair. He needed a reason to hope. A friend of his gave him a book. The book is called Comeback. It's by Dave Dravecki. I want you to watch this video to kind of give you the story of of Dave Dravecki, and uh, then I'll tell you how this fits in. Watch this video. His dream, like most boys, was simple. One day, he would play Major League Baseball. But Dave Dravecki found out the road to the big leagues was paved with pain and hope. All of life was good. I mean, I've, I've seen my dream come true. I'm now in the big leagues. I've just had a, 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 an all-star appearance. We're now in the World Series. Um, I, I'm married to the woman of my dreams. Things couldn't get any better than, it, than they were. In 1987, the Padres traded Dave to San Francisco, where he led the Giants to the playoffs. Then the following season, Dave noticed a lump on his pitching arm. As the lump grew, so did Dave's concerns. He had an MRI, and the results were devastating. We were in the waiting room. The doctors were outside the waiting room and they were shuffling the film up under the lights and one of the doctors we overheard say, oh man, this looks like a tumor. The doctors confirmed Dave's worst fears. He looked at us and said, look, based on what we're seeing and what we're going to have to do outside of a miracle, you're never going to pitch. Doctors removed half of the deltoid muscle in Dave's pitching arm. I was face to face with my own mortality. I started thinking about my family, and it was a major crisis for me. But at the same time, I thought to myself, okay, I may not be able to pitch, but the truth is, I don't know what God's plan is. And what I need to do is my part. And so that was a huge, huge part for me in this whole story was coming to the realization that I've got to try. I'm not going to walk away. Dave was determined to get back in the game. After months of grueling therapy and training, Dave fought his way back into a starting role in the minor leagues. And it was then that I realized I just might have an opportunity to pitch in the big leagues again. Dave Dravecki. On August 10, 1989, Dave Dravecki made his return to Major League Baseball, leading the Giants to a victory over the Cincinnati Reds. Before his next start in Montreal, Dave had lunch with teammate Bob Nepper. He said, it's not the miracle of the comeback that's so important here. And what God is doing is providing a platform for you through Major League Baseball to share his love with those who hurt. And I thought to myself, wow, that's cool. I think that's really cool, but I don't know what that means. Five hours later, Dave understood. While delivering a pitch, Dave's arm broke and he collapsed on the ground. 
Dave's baseball career ended that day. And after two surgeries and a staph infection, Dave lost his shoulder and pitching arm. 20 years later, Dave is fulfilling the vision he says God has for his life. I would be willing to admit today that I have grown more through the bad and the ugly than I ever did through the good. So without Jesus, I'm nothing. Unconditional love. That's what it tells me. Um, grace for someone who doesn't deserve it. Um, hope uh, for someone who needs it desperately. Um, and a promise, a promise that I'm going to live with him forever. That's what my story helps me understand about the character of God. That was the story that this pastor needed to hear. As he read the autobiography, he was overcome with gratitude toward Dave Dravecki. He was so thankful that Dravecki didn't give up, and that gave him a reason to hope. Every time I read or hear of someone who kept trying until they found success, I'm inspired, and I'm able to thank God for their example. Whether it's Dave Dravecki battling cancer, or Dave Ramsey bouncing back from a financial disaster, or Dennis Bird overcoming a paralyzing football injury. Even the former Wall Street tycoon, Dennis Levine, reestablishing his credibility, his integrity after that insider trader scandal. I'm thankful for those who have had the courage to try again. I need their example. I need their hope that the stories have to offer. And I know that as I struggle with failures and setbacks and defeats in my own life, those who see my example need to see me try again. My children need to know that when we get knocked down, we've got to get back up. My coworkers here at Cornerstone need to know that when we make a mistake, we cannot throw in the towel. My friends and my brothers and sisters in Christ need to know that God is faithful and that He will reward persistence. They need to see it in me and I need to see it in them. Those in your world need to see these examples in you. They need the hope that your persistence can give. When you try again, the example of your faith and obedience will inspire them to follow in your footsteps. Paul made reference to this when he wrote to the Thessalonians. You welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering. And so you became a model to all the believers. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. It's your choice whether you give up or get up. But please know that giving up is probably the most selfish choice. Getting up requires us 
to turn our backs on our own frustration and despair and try one more time for the people in our lives who desperately need to keep trying. So of all the Proverbs and the nuggets that we've pulled out of this series for 10 weeks, don't you think this is by far the most crucial? If we're willing to try and try again, then we will eventually master every facet of life. If we refuse to give up in our efforts to speak carefully, to manage money, to resolve conflict peacefully, to do our job with integrity, to trust God completely, to be a loyal and faithful friend. If we keep trying in all these areas, we will eventually succeed. So let's use the Word of God, in Proverbs especially, to get smart. Let's get smart. Let's read the Word of God. Let's keep trying because God believes in us. He really does. He's up there as our biggest cheerleader. Let's keep trying because God expects us to. He said to do it. Let's do it. Whatever He's telling you. If that's God speaking to you, do it. And let's keep trying because the world needs us to. I need to see you guys trying. You need to see me trying. We need to spur one another on. And let's keep trying because we have God's promise that eventually we'll cast our net into the water and come up with a big catch. Let's try it. Let's pray before the band comes up. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we want stamina. That's what this message is challenging us to. And Lord, we believe it's from you. We believe that you want us getting up every time we fall down. Because even when we fall down that last time and we die, you will pick us back up into eternal life. We've got that to look forward to. And so let us practice until we get to that day by getting up, resurrecting our dreams and letting you give us the strength for all of that. And we'll be careful to give you the praise and the thanks for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.